is Bloomberg Surveillance. I think that the world's markets and global economies are maturing. There are numerous peaks I see. By raising rates, the Fed will be signaling to everybody, businesses, individuals, everybody, that the economy is in better shape and normalizing. The problem with low interest rates is a stimulus. It puts all the focus on the benefits of borrowing and takes away focus from the benefits of saving. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Here is what you need to know. Good morning, everyone. At the State of the Union speech, the vice president cannot be sitting in the same room with the president along with the Speaker of the House. We break that rule in this hour. The axes of Moffat, Nathanson, Craig Moffat, and uh, Mr. Nathanson, Michael Nathanson will join us together. They're in the same room. This has only happened one other time when they agreed to set up shop um, 10 years ago. Media, what happens if a it, meteorite hits? Exactly. What happens to the company? What happens if Iger walks by or, you know, whoever? This is going to be great. This is must listen in this hour worldwide. Moffat and Nathanson together on the state of their many media and telecommunication uh, concerns. Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide on Media brought to you by Cone Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory. Trust Cone Resnick for the strategy, the insight your business needs to move forward. Find out what Cone Resnick thinks. Sign up for insights at ConeResnick.com. Craig Moffat with us and Michael Nathanson. Craig, tell us about the glory of you guys at Sanford Bernstein, which is, you know, the desire of so many people, a place to work, and the two of you coming together. How did that happen? Well, look, we we both we overlapped for about seven years at Bernstein, and and you're absolutely right. It was a terrific um, platform for us, and uh, and um, we were we were really privileged to be there. But after uh, I'd been there for 11 years, Michael had been there even longer. Michael, by that point, had left to go to Nomura. Um, but after about 11 years for me, I started to get an itch to do something a little more entrepreneurial and, and try something uh, a little different. And, um, and the opportunity came up to do it with Michael. That had always been my dream. I always thought um, if there was any, any way to do it, I would do it with Michael. And, uh, and so the opportunity came up in the beginning of 2013, and we just celebrated our third anniversary in, in business last week. Uh, you picked a, a great time to go into business, of course, for yourselves. Uh, well, let's go into business. We just had the worst recession since the Great Depression. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you're, you're very successful, but I mean, what was it like trying to, to, to fight a tide at that point? Well, you know, in some ways, we weren't fighting a tide. I mean, the, what we had at our backs um, was, was that this sector, the telecom and particularly media sector writ large, um, was undergoing such profound change that the clients that Michael and I had always worked with genuinely wanted help. And, uh, and so, and, and look, we, we already had 10 or 11 years of working with um, the biggest institutional investors. We had really deep relationships with them. Um, and, uh, and so that, that <clears throat> give and take was, was in some ways perfectly timed for the kind of seismic changes yeah. that we've seen since then. Let's dive into it. Michael Nathanson, there's no question what's up front here for us is the future of TV. Everybody says, yeah, but digital, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody goes, wait, they're all still watching TV. Why is Disney challenged if we're all still watching ESPN and TV? I don't think Disney's challenged. I, th- I think what's going to happen is the market's going to realize that people who own live sports, live news, big events are going to get paid by advertisers 
well into the future. And the fragmentation is going to happen on scripted, smaller type channels. I think if you have large live events, you're going to, you're going to hold an audience. And I, I think that's what people are missing. That things are not changing yeah. as fast as Mike Disney, fourteen point six percent total return out ten years. Wait a minute, ex- expand on that, Michael. Uh, things are not changing as much as people think. Well, if if you looked at consumer, you know, viewership of live sports the past five, six, seven years, ratings for the live events are actually pretty stable against the backdrop of viewership down five, six percent a year for almost everything else. So. I think longer term what's going to happen is the people who are staying in the ecosystem to pay for TV are going to be there for live sports, live news, and big events, right? So the world's going to start recognizing that people have different programming hands. It's just, it's just. Yeah. You know, can I follow up? Uh, just a quick question uh, with on the live sports thing. Um, the, the the networks that carry it, carry sports, pay so much, and I wonder in this in this world whether they can continue to increase. The rights fees that they pay, and then jack up the commercial time, and then uh, the the players all get paid more and more and more money, and it's this incredible uh, cycle that leaves the average fan out. But can can that continue? And they keep making money. Well, it's really interesting you say that because the for the next six seven years, most of the major rights are locked up. The real concern for everyone is going to be in 2020 and beyond because that's when the next set of rights come due. And the question is, will Facebook, will Google, will Apple, will another outsider come in and bid for those rights and create a true bidding war, right? That's when things get interesting. Uh, and my, uh, Craig Moffat, you have a fabulous page, as you always do. Folks, I've already had two emails. I'm not going to send out the copy. We've got feet, a feet of data here from Moffat Nathanson. We protect the copyright of all of our guests. Craig Moffat, you've got to sell on AT&T just as one part of the picture. Who will be the losers in the Moffat Nathanson universe? Well, you know, the, I think there are a couple of, of broad themes here. Um, if you think about on my telecommunication side of the of coverage, um, the, the the telecom business is getting to be more and more capital intensive. Not just capex, but the wireless companies buying more and more spectrum. And you say telecom equals and scale. Te- telecom. Well, telecom has historically been all about scale. The challenge for for these companies is. Um, their their balance sheets are now very stretched. We we published a, a very detailed report a couple of weeks ago, um, saying that the reported leverage ratios of the telephone companies are significantly understated for a number of accounting reasons, and and they have a lot less balance sheet flexibility than you think, um, and yet they face this big wave of calls on their capital of densifying their networks to do 5G and what have you. So everybody is struggling with that. Now, the reality is for the big telcos and for AT&T, they tend to move with big macro themes. And generally speaking, you can think of it as if you get this somewhat unusual combination of a a rising U.S. dollar coupled with falling interest rates. Usually you get interest rates leading the dollar higher or interest rates leading the dollar lower. But if you get that unusual combination of a rising dollar and, uh, and falling interest rates like you had at the end of the fourth quarter and beginning of the first, these stocks end up doing really well, and that's what happened with the telecoms. If you don't get that, it's much harder for them, and the fundamentals don't really support further valuation appreciation for a name like AT&T. Well, long term, um, these companies have have one thing that a lot of the tech companies don't, and that's an enormous, as you mentioned with capital, barrier to entry. 
Yeah, it, it, that's right. Um, and you, but you can use that framework of how big is the moat around these businesses to pick out some winners and losers. And yeah. the moat is actually much bi- is, is much bigger for the cable operators. You know, the cable operators. I've been on your show for what a decade talking about while everybody says the cable operators are these old media dinosaurs that are about to be run over by over the top video and Netflix and what have you. That they've actually got the biggest moat of anybody in right. physical infrastructure. Well, within that moat, let's pick a name that we all know that we can see. John Tucker can see it out through Central Park here, and that's Time Warner. I mean, you, what is the to-do list strategically for some of the companies you face? I mean, we can talk about Verizon and who they're ever they're going to buy next. But Michael, tell us about Time Warner, not so much buy, hold, sell, but just what's going through their heads now at the corporate headquarters. Well, Time Warner. Michael, the, the microphone is here. Craig, <laughs> you got to give Nathan some media training. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm getting closer to you. So Time Warner's got three divisions. Pretty simple. Their goal in every division is to make their content more and more indispensable. HBO, Warner's, Turner, right? So they're trying to basically find investing uh, find new content that's going to basically break through the clutter. It's a very simple story, which is like at Turner, more and more original content. At Warner Brothers, better movies. That's their mandate. And the moat, as Craig talks about in cable, the moat immediately has to be proprietary content. That's what they're trying to find. What's the uh, what what's the the ability to do that these days with everybody looking? I mean, is there is there somebody everybody wants to work for? No, that's, I'm nodding my head because that's the biggest challenge here, right? You've had an explosion of original content. Fox has a stat that the number of original shows past five years went from 200 to 400 across the entire ecosystem. Yeah, it's a glut. It's a glut. It's just too many shows. And you asked this before, how does that continue? At some point, it has to break apart. You can't keep right. funding 400 shows. Right? That's or, is, or is there another stupid guy there to buy the next transaction? Well, yeah, or the markets, you know, we're, we're, we're relatively neutral on Netflix, and we look at Netflix and we say, they're losing a billion dollars a year in building out their, their business. At some point, that billion dollars has to have a return, right? You have to look at it and say, we need a return. The market's willing to fund it, but at some point, the market may say, this is not worth funding if we can't get better returns right now. Michael Nathanson with us. He brought along Craig Moffat. This is very cool. Moffat, Nathanson, we've tried for a good six months to get the two of them in to talk about media, about what to buy. We'll focus at some point here on single best buys and that, but much more on the media wars with Craig Moffat and Michael Nathanson. Futures, negative six. All right, let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. The Obama administration is sending a directive to the nation's public schools telling them that they must allow students to use bathrooms and locker rooms consistent with their chosen gender identity. The letter does not impose any new legal requirements, but is a reminder of obligations to provide non-discriminatory environments. President Obama's health care law was dealt a blow. A federal judge ruled that a program to reduce out-of-pocket costs for low-income people who purchase Obamacare insurance plans is unconstitutional. The Islamic State group has claimed responsibility for an attack on a coffee shop north of Baghdad that killed at least 13 people and wounded 15 others. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. And, Michael, thanks so much. We're going to destroy some uh, myths here uh, coming up. Craig Moffat with us and Michael Nathanson. Everybody's in search of unicorns, the new digital world. They're grizzled. Jaundice. 
<laughs> Veterans, Moffat Nathanson on Bloomberg Surveillance. And coming up at the bottom of the hour, we've got U.S. retail sales. We'll check in with Howard Davidovitz of Davidovitz Associates and get his take on the numbers. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. Stock Index futures are dropping this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures remain under pressure. Dow futures currently lower by 60 points. SBs drop five. And NASDAQ futures decline by 13. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.73%. On the economic front at 8.30, retail sales. And at 10 o'clock, business inventories and Michigan sentiment. After the Bellis Night, Nordstrom cut year views. Shares plummet 17% pre-market. NVIDIA Q2 revenue forecast topped estimates. And Shake Shack boosted year revenue views. This morning, JCPenney falls 10% pre-market after its results. Finally, some of your Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. Cyberarch raised to buy over at Bank of America. J&J cut to neutral at BTIG. Allergan added to conviction buy list at Goldman Sachs. Lockheed Martin cut to hold over at Stiefel, and Comerica cut to underperform at Wells Fargo. Live from the first breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? Thanks, Bill. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk and go on your terminal, that's S-Q-U-A-W-K-Go. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Invesco. Invesco believes it's time to bench the benchmarks to consider active management and factor-based strategies. Find out more at Invesco. Dot com slash high conviction. Uh, Michael Nathanson, Craig Moffat, Moffat Nathanson with us for the hour. We're going to interrupt in a bit and get Howard Davidovitz on in the ugly week for retail. But right now, Michael McKee, Kevin Draper at Gawker hit the ball over the fence, over the turnpike. It bounced off the roof of the cask and flagon and ended up somewhere in Alston. He had... Kevin Draper in Gawker wrote this killer article on the BS that is clicks. Michael Nathanson, help me here. 800,000 people see a watermelon blow up on BuzzFeed, and Draper and Nielsen <laughs> say, you got to be kidding me. Compared to TV ratings, it's next to nothing. Discuss. Okay, so <laughs> there was a Buffalo Bills-Jacksonville Jaguar game on Yahoo this year. 15 million views. That's a huge number. But when you looked at it versus a TV rating and put it apples to apples, there were like 2 million viewers. And a TV game could be 8 to 10 million. So you need, and the world's getting there, a common set of standards to compare, right? In the past decade, we've had two different measurement sticks. And now we're getting to one measurement stick. That's where we're headed. Within the one measurement stick, Craig Moffat, critically here, are we going to deploy malinvestment, dumb investment, by the big, deep cash flow pockets you follow to pick up Nathanson's content? Is it going to be an era of stupid investment? Um, well, look, it, it certainly has the, – the, the history of M&A in, in our companies is not terribly good. Uh, and um, particularly on the telecom side, there's been a lot of, of misinvestment and, and returns on capital, uh, as we just published this week, are, are not very inspiring. Um, but, but I, look, everybody has faced the same challenge, which is how do we, uh, how do we adapt our business to, to the, the new economy? And 
You know, I actually give Verizon a little credit. They're the ones whose name is floated around as the buyer of, of Yahoo. They bought AOL. Um, and I, I, I give them a little credit for at least trying in, a, in an intelligent way to reinvent the model because I think what they're, they're sitting on top of a ton of data about where their, their customers have been and that sort of thing based on their wireless network. And they're trying to figure out a way to monetize that with advertising. And so they're not out to say, hey, let's build a media empire. They're out to say, let's build some ad inventory that we can sell with all that data. And that strikes me as actually a pretty intelligent model, given that it's really, yeah. really hard to extract another dollar My, out of wireless. Do you want to cut in here to disagree with your no, colleague? No, I don't. I want to say what's happening in media was post-AOL Time Warner 15 years ago, our guys have stopped doing Big kind of big picture deals. Mm. They are just doing bolt-on acquisitions because they're done trying to buy these digital unicorns. Can't buy the can't buy the earnings from it. Well, you say we're going to a standardized measuring system. How are we going to measure it? If it's not clicks, what are advertisers going to be paying for? Engagement views, time spent, time spent with. Yeah, that's time a word, spent. engagement. What does that mean? Well, what you're going to do is, you know, it's really hard to measure mobile phone engagement, right? So when you look at a, you know, when you look at your Twitter feed and you see a commercial on there, that's hard to measure. We're moving to a standard where how much time did you spend looking at that video start, yeah. right? So we're moving to not streams or clicks, but time spent yeah, with Michael, the message. I'm going to do a shameless plug here. That's what makes Bloomberg Radio Plus go. We have a wonderful global audience, but what's stunning to our good colleagues over on the Death Star is people listen for a long time on yeah. Bloomberg Radio Plus. That's I think that's what's called engagement. So call Not Mark that I would Siegel know anything, John Tucker, about engagement. Only seven times. You mentioned the mobile phones, uh, Craig. Do, do, when when uh, people are looking at all this stuff on mobile phones, is the engagement the same? Uh, it's not. To, I mean, we spend so much money on these 50-inch television sets at home, and then you're walking around with this tiny little screen. Is, is it the same? Does it, does it get you the same thing as an advertiser? Depends what you're, what kind of advertising you're talking about, right? So if you're talking about search, um, search is actually pretty valuable on mobile devices because it can be very topical and immediate, and if you're in a retail store or what have you, intention to buy. Um, for longer form um, advertising, so far it's been a bust. Um, and But people are trying to figure out what are the different ad models that make sense on the different platforms. Yeah, well, I mean, when I'm standing in the corner and I'm looking for directions to wherever I'm going, I'm not going to buy a car. Well, that's right. And right, you're going to find Starbucks. You want to find where your Starbucks is, right? You go to a Starbucks like, app, and I do do it on that. Yeah, I mean that that's useful. But, but but let me dispel a notion, by the way, about what location-based advertising is, because I think location-based advertising is is going to be one of the really big themes that that we're talking about. Everybody sort of immediately jumps to, oh, wouldn't it be great to put a McDonald's ad in front of somebody while they're standing in front of McDonald's? That's not what location-based advertising is. Now, this may sound big brotherish, but what location-based advertising is really about is saying, hey, I can, because you, of where your phone was in your pocket while you were traveling last week, I know that you were in a Mercedes dealership. And because you were in a Mercedes dealership and you were down at the east end of the dealership looking at the SUVs instead of the west end of the dealership looking at the sports cars, I know you might That's be in sick. the market for a luxury SUV, and I can put ads in front of you that are freakishly well-targeted. Um, 
That's a lot of what's going on both in the advertising community and, by the okay. way, the FCC struggling with the privacy issues around this. Craig Moffat, Michael wow. Nathanson, scaring the hell out of us. <laughs> I hope not you either. Coming up, one of our most popular guests, Howard Davidovitz. Everything in retails in the crapper. Coming up, the With All Due Respect highlight brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverTriState.com or call 1-800-FIND-4WD for details. Land Rover, above and beyond. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Van Eck Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit vaneck.com slash muni. Van Eck. Access the opportunities. Sales at retailers jumped in April by the most in a year. Purchases climbed 1.3% last month, the biggest gain since March 2015. U.S. wholesale prices rose in April for the first time in three months, buoyed by firmer costs for portfolio management services. The two-tenth percent gain in the producer price index last month followed a one-tenth percent decline in March. U.S. stock index futures trimmed their declines following the retail sales report. S&P E-mini futures still lower, down two points now. Dow E-mini futures down 32. NASDAQ E-mini futures down two. The DAX in Germany is higher, up half percent. Ten-year treasury up 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.73 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 1.3 percent or 60 cents to 46.10 a barrel. COMEX gold is down three-tenths percent or $3.70 to 12.67.60 an ounce. The euro, $1.1316, the yen, 109.28. And JCPenney down almost 9% this morning after posting first quarter revenue that trailed analyst estimates. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Uh, what a treat. Craig Moffat with us with Michael Nathanson. We have 14 things to talk about in 10 minutes. Michael McKee wants to talk hardware, so let me get that going. Craig Moffat, in your authoritative report, you talk about Cooper's Law, which is not Moore's Law. Cooper's Law is how the thing we take for granted happens, which is a quality signal to our phone. 4G, 5G, 6G. Is the infrastructure going to be there for our hopes and dreams of what we want to do with Mike McKee's toys? Well, let me give you sort of a provocative take on that, um, because I think that's a really interesting point, Tom, is, is where we're headed is wireless networks getting denser and denser and denser. So the old adage is wireless networks are 90% wires and 10% wireless. Remember, it's only that last little link between your phone and the, and the cell tower that's wireless. The rest of it's good old-fashioned wires. If you keep densifying these networks and have smaller and smaller radii on the cell towers to get more traffic through the network, it means more wires. So where is the ultimate advantage going to come from in wireless networks? Wires. Who's got the most wires? The cable operators. You can actually make a good case that the ultimate winner in wireless is the cable industry. That's fascinating. And, and Comcast is one of your yeah. leading choices. Right? Uh, we like Comcast. You know, and all these themes, by the way, we, we Michael and I are, are hosting a, a conference for our investors next week where – um, where we will be talking to um, sort of a who's who of all these companies. And part of the goal of that 
um, conference is to is to put together the sort of narrative of all this stuff and hear from them directly. And why, why you did you see that? Just so you know, why you is a younger lad. That was the ultimate softball shameless plug. <laughs> that was pro. Moffat, very subtle. Mike, jump in here. And for reservation, <laughs> exactly. <you> call <laughs> yeah. a phone number, please. Right now, phone I, I, number. It was, it was really that softball. I thought. <laughs> it was just right. It was well, Michael said about engagement. Yeah. Someone's going to bill us for that. I know that. We see Bloomberg's going to bill us. So we got uh, the retail sales report and a surprising number in here. Uh, for those who follow this regularly, electronics sales up half a percent after a six-tenths gain in March. This follows many, many months of declines in that category. That uh, The numbers don't capture what's really happening in the sense that um, electronics keep getting cheaper. So uh, this measures dollar volume, so you, you can sell a lot of them and still have a decline. So if we're actually going up, people seem to be interested in getting devices that will – Pull in this engagement that you're talking about. Yeah, it, you know, and one of the funny things is, though, where's all of the value in those devices coming from? If you went back five years ago, it was hardware. Now it's all software. And so one of the things that's a big theme in the wireless industry right now is that people are keeping their devices longer. Why are you keeping your iPhone longer? Because the software is getting upgraded anyway, and the hardware doesn't matter that much. Um, and, and so you're seeing these kind of lengthening product cycles. If you're an Apple investor, it's one of the things that – it's one of the reasons the stock is down and why Apple investors are you long are Apple? I mean, do you follow it? You we, we don't cover it. We're, we're co- yeah. We cover the service side. But, yeah. but all the handset cycles are, are lengthening okay. and the upgrade rates are, are, are coming down because your, your handset works for a long time and, and right. there's not a lot of new innovation. Michael, in your world, it's about people. It's about leaders, Mr. Bukas and Mr. Murdoch and his family. And so let's start with Mr. Murdoch. What are they thinking at Fox? What is the strategic – I don't mean like, you know, are they going to do this with Fox Sports or that? Right. What's the plan for Fox? Great question. The plan is to use Hulu to build a next generation PTV business, right? So they own a piece of Hulu. And the idea, taking what you guys just both said, is we have to move content to connected devices, right? We have to move it away from the TV screen to any screen. Mm-hmm. And Hulu is one of their devices to do that. And I think you're going to see more and more investment into products that get your content to your phone, your tablet, your your set-top box, that's where Fox is going to move to. It's going to be a long push to, to basically build a system that's going to be more mobile, more portable, um, around, you know, just around the globe. Well, is this uh, are, is there going to be somebody who's new that comes along and breaks into this, or is it just all of Fox and NBC and others? Well, Craig and, I have, all Craig and I have said, the disruption will come from outside, right? The key is, we keep saying this, it's post-2020 when most of these key rights come available. The moats that are built today are the NFL rights, the NBA rights, movie rights. Nothing becomes available in any scale until the end of this decade, beginning of next decade. So if you want to build the next generation competitor, you've got to wait a bit, right? So we keep waiting. So we think this business keeps slipping, sliding along without much disruption until the next set of rights become available. That's when things get interesting. What about um, the, the, the idea that um, you can create through a YouTube channel, and now Amazon's going to do this, create a YouTube channel that 
creates its own channels, and then um, they become, as as we've seen with some of the stuff that Amazon's been doing and Netflix has been doing, they become regular entertainment channels as well. Is that a model that's going to continue to work? Yeah, that is. You know, YouTube is quite successful in picking off millennial audiences and monetizing it, right? And Google doesn't tell you how big YouTube is. We think five to six billion dollars of advertising revenue. So there are pieces of the ecosystem that are being chipped away right now. I think your question was a larger disruption. But yeah. at this point, there will be pieces chipping away because right. there's too much investment aimed at it, right? Can you buy the media stocks here? I mean, Disney with a moonshot from 2008, 20 to 110, and it rolls over. Is that an opportunity, or do you have to go look someplace else to really create alpha? I think you have to look at this as a long-term sector, right? If you want to play quarter to quarter, it's a tough sector. Oh, year to right. year. Help yes, year to year. We think there are three companies that have very, very strong futures. I want to get this in here. we got just two minutes left. Craig Moffat, your single best buy right now. You know, it's actually on the telecom side, uh, despite some of the things I've said about telecom. Um, I, I love T-Mobile here. I think T-Mobile is has got a lot of things going for it. It's it's gaining a ton of share. Stock is still cheap. It's starting to generate real free cash flow, and it's got a really nice growth story, which is so much of the country that they mm -hmm. don't cover where they're starting to add. Is their CEO a distraction? Um, I do think that the shtick of, of the bad boy of telecom um, has has perhaps um, sort of run its course a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's actually a very cerebral guy, and I, to some Agreed. extent he's Agreed. playing Agreed. an act. Yeah. Um, but but the, the, that's a business with, with really interesting fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Michael Nathanson, your single best buy? Uh, we like, we like Fox heading to 17, fiscal year 17. Just say that again. We like Fox here. Fox has had a, a tough three. Let's be clear here. Which Fox is this? I can't keep track. The Fox with the television assets, okay, not, television the, not the assets. News Corp. You're long, you're long Mr. Hales and Mr. Hannity and the rest of them. Yes, we are. Okay. Right. Fox Sports, can that compete with ESPN? Not in the uh, next couple of years. Maybe you should buy some more rights. Uh, now, uh, maybe to wrap this up, uh, subscription versus advertising uh, going forward. Who wins? Good question. I want to own long-term subscription assets in media and advertising assets in digital. Interesting. Why is that? Because I think we're moving to mobile, and mobile is going to monetize. Mm -hmm. Facebook and Google are going to just con continue to control mobile monetization. Facebook will win in terms of the share of advertising. Facebook dollars. has just started monetizing video. You've not seen anything yet from Facebook video. That's a scary proposition. It'll be YouTube-like in terms of an ad at the beginning. It will be better than that because it will be shorter and more engaging. You guys walk in here, I feel so old. Most amazing story I saw today, Facebook is hiring middle schoolers to try to hack their systems because they can't find the enough news. security. John <laughs> Tucker on the phone. Where do I sign up? <laughs> I got two. The they can't find enough coders to do this, so they've made yeah. a game out of hack our system, and they sent it to middle this, school. This has been wonderful. Craig Moffat, congratulations on three years of entrepreneurial vision. Michael Nathanson and Craig Moffat with Moffat Nathanson. We're going to do this a lot more, get to teams of people, and it's very difficult with the schedules to do this. It's took our team two years of <laughs> <laughs> the two of them, two years 
of planning. Patrick O'Connell, their director of institutional sales, is in a carefully sealed case <laughs> right now in case anything happens. Just wait till the digital <laughs> rights to this come up. In, uh, <laughs> we say to good, good morning to Mr. O'Connell and all the revenue producers at Mobbit and Agency pacing back and forth. They're out front with rifles. They're going to shoot down. Tax here. Very good. Moffat Nathanson, thank you. Thank you, uh, Graham. Thank so you. Much. Futures negative three, down futures negative 38. Good. Retail sales. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.